Gratitude That's my everyday All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Quantum Coffee. You guys are in for a real treat today. My guest is Adrian Ellison, one of my really dear friends. Met her a couple years ago. Um, And honestly, she is, especially for her age, I think she's, you know, late 20s, maybe. But she is just one of the wisest souls I've ever met. Um, She shows up. She does the work and, um, you know, she's just, her perspective on life is just really fascinating. And this conversation we had really blew my mind, especially towards the end. Um, her work, uh, she does right now is mostly revolved around boundaries, um, and sovereignty and cord cutting. And she does all this amazing work and runs retreats through the Alpaz project and just a lot of big things ahead for her and the work that she's doing in the world and her perspective. We had a very, very similar upbringing um, as far as our religious beliefs go. I think it's a really common upbringing with the traditional religions in this country. And, um, you know, both of us, you know, we talk about our journeys of, of finding our connection to God through our own experience. Um, and yeah, Adrian's yeah, the conversation just blew me away. I was sitting there listening to her and on. I know uh, there's a lot of value that you guys are all going to get out of this conversation and really appreciate you guys showing up. And for all the continued support of the podcast, that being said, really excited to announce this new premium feed that I'm launching. It's through Supercast. Uh, the link will be in the show notes, but basically it is $7 a month or you can pay yearly for a little discount, but $7 a month. If you really would like to support this podcast and receive uh, a lot of extra premium content in the form of my voice, uh, doing a lot of cool things. There's actually a downloadable PDF that you'll get, um, special five minute Monday motivation episodes that I'm going to start working on, uh, special solo cast episodes and special extended conversations, uh, all just for premium members. So if you are interested in that, or you just want to support the podcast, uh, you know, it does cost me money to, to bring this thing with all the back end production and everything. So if you feel called to support me in that way, it would be greatly appreciated. Go to the link in the description, click it. Very simple to sign up. You will also receive all of my normal podcasts all through one feed. It's really cool what Supercast is doing, uh, bringing that kind of opportunity for a podcaster to use to, um, you know, fund them. You know, the traditional ad read model is really hard to get to. You got to get like 10, 20, 30,000 downloads an episode. And although I plan on getting there, not quite there yet. Uh, Also would love to plug uh, my community, The Heart Collective, Uh, If you are a former male professional athlete looking for a community of support, I know for me um, on my journey, uh, leaving professional sports was one of the most isolating and lonely experiences. Um, And I felt really called and knew that if I had a community of brothers to continue the journey outside of football with, um, focused on, you know, improving our self-awareness and emotional intelligence and just continuing to learn how to find deeper meaning and purpose in life, um, I would have you know, the transition would have been a lot smoother. And so that led me to create the Heart Collective. We're also working on 
a new content strategy. So we actually have a library of master courses and master classes that we're developing. So even if you're not a former athlete, go check it out, go put your email in the list. So you don't miss out on anything that we're creating at theheartcollective.com. That's H-A-R-T, theheartcollective.com. And I think that's it. Without further ado, here's Adrian. Adrian, what's up? Hi, Joe. How you doing? So good. So good. Why are you doing so good? I just got done touching your baby. Oh, I know. Isn't he so cute? <laughs> yeah, he's very small. I know. It's. I think he had like a growth spurt like just last night because he was really crying a lot more than usual. And like, there's nothing we could do to like, mm-hmm. you know, ease his crying, which is really like fascinating. But like even just over the last two weeks, how much he's grown, it's really fascinating how mm-hmm. fast those things just wake up to the world around them yeah it's a baby season in my life <laughs> <laughs> all your friends are having babies huh yes they are and i had an akashic record reading this, this last week and it was the very first one i've ever done with any healer any ceremony ever in my life where a baby came through and the baby was like hey i'm ready <laughs> i'm ready when you are i was like okay cool well i'm not ready so we'll uh we'll circle back <laughs> how does that make you feel like what comes up for you because that's such a big thing, right? And yeah. Sarah had a very similar experience where our baby like came to her in a ceremony, an ayahuasca ceremony, and like a multiple ceremonies before that, and like made its awareness, made its way into our awareness before mm-hmm. it happened, which I'm really grateful it kind of happened that way because it like prepared me for it happening into yeah. manifest reality. But how does that make you feel? It makes me feel a lot of things. And the thing I focus on is being as close to neutrality as I can with it. It's just information. And instead of it being like, Oh, there's a baby and I have to do this. Cause that really gives your power away. It's mm. okay. There's a spirit that has chosen to do the dance with me. And in some form I've chosen to do the dance with them. There's so much free will, which I feel like is what we're going to really talk about today. Mm. <laughs> Choice in that from both ends. And it is a relation and a conversation always. It's an ongoing conversation in every moment as is everything in life or conversation, negotiation, however you want to, whatever word suits you. but. It is information for me to taste and process what is coming up for me right now. The first time I heard it, what's coming up for me in a month from now, and then what's going to come up for me when it actually happens. And what I'm looking for when I say what's coming up for me is how grounded do I feel in the idea and where I don't feel grounded. That's not my work to do when I decide to have a baby. It's still my work to do right now. Mm. So that when I as I ground into the idea, whether it's in a year, two years, five years, when I come to making that decision, all the work and preparation was already ready to go. So the way I feel is that I already knew I was preparing my body for something. I've been doing a lot of work with uh, body workers as well as just massage therapists, you know, functional training. Um, and my why for doing that like having the why for a perfectly aesthetic body, it just doesn't work for me. It's Mm. like, that's not a strong enough why, but the why to prepare my body for the ceremony of birth and to be able to be there for my kids and play with them the way I want to play with them Mm. and to have the energy that my parents never had. Mm. That's what I want to start preparing for right now. And that why is really strong. So I've been doing more work on my body than ever. Yeah. It's really beautiful. I mean, it's just this whole new idea of what it means to bring, a kid into this reality, right? It's not mm-hmm. just the next 
feel like in our Western society, it's like the next step, right? Like you, you go to college, you get a job, you get married, you get the house, you have a baby. Mm -hmm. And it's just like kind of following this thing. And it's when you wake up to the, the gift of this life and you start, you know, questioning kind of the reality and how it all works. And we'll definitely dive into that because I want to get your perspective and understanding, you know, we're not, we're not humans who have spiritual experiences, but we're spirits who have human experiences. And it kind of changes the whole idea around raising a kid. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for you. <laughs> Thank you. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and for take... my future self. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm excited to have such amazing, you know, tribe and, and family raising kids together in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I really believe that and we'll talk a little bit about, you know, where the world's at and shifting the collective narrative too. But you know, it really comes down to what I'm realizing, you know, having my own son is, is how do we raise children in a better way? I think that's mm-hmm. a direct impact on where the world's going to go is not programming them into the stories that we were raised in. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's take a step back and kind of introduce yourself to the listeners. Who are you? And we'll talk a little bit about your journey and then we can dive into some of these, uh, really amazing unanswerable questions that I like to ask everybody and I'd love to get your perspective on on all of it I know everybody's gonna really enjoy (laughs) thank you yeah Yeah, I think the context I want to provide for my story is in the direction of where our conversation is going to go because you know everyone has such an extensive story Um, and a part of my story I haven't shared like a ton of ever on any podcast is my relationship with God from early on So I grew up in a German Catholic community with 300 people in the entire town. Uh, No grocery stores, no restaurants, no stoplights. (laughs) Really? Where was this at? Uh, Nazareth, Texas. (laughs) It's in between Lubbock and Amarillo. Yeah. And um, it was all white. So I didn't grow up around any culture at all besides a little bit of German culture with a spin, um, a little bit of Catholic culture. Um, And my relationship with God based on that philosophy was that I am a sinner and Mm. I need to repent from my sins. (laughs) And um, my prayers always were rooted in, I'm so sorry for what I've done, even though it was so much fun and I'm not really sure why I did it. And please make sure that you hear this so that if I die in my sleep, I go to heaven. Mm. The guilt and the shame that that, traditional religion puts on us. Yeah. and in, in the context of babies, actually a memory that I have this fucking stuck with me and it's so funny, the memories that we carry, but there was a memory that when I was in elementary school, there was a girl who had gotten pregnant in high school. And the only thing I remember about that was hearing adults say, whew, she better be in confession, you know, on Wednesday and, and me being like, oh my God, what is like that sin, you know? And mm. although the Bible talks about no sin being greater and he who has not sinned cast the first stone and all of that, but. It's not what the church teaches though. There's a hell of a misinterpretation of that. That's crazy. Um, So there was a lot of conflict with, I think, how the church, how the church's philosophy was being shared and how the congregation of people were showing up. And I don't, I can't speak for my parents, but like, I know that my dad and my mom were probably not, not liberals because I grew up very conservative, but they were on the more liberal side of the conservatives. And I grew up with a lot of compliance to these things. So compliance to like, my parents were not racist and I was not racist because my parents taught me that everyone was equal. And really there was only one Hispanic family in the whole town. And, um, the, one of the daughters was my sister's best friend. And it was really interesting to see that play out and just the 
undercurrents of racism everywhere. And so I didn't grow up believing in that or even agreeing with that, but I very much grew up in the compliance of it. I didn't know anything else. And it was like, you hear a racist joke, you just laugh. And so you weren't exposed to it if you weren't around. Yeah, totally. And I wasn't exposed to any other culture to have Mm. that level of compassion and decency to understand like, whoa, like I will punch you, you know, whereas like Mm. now I have a very, (laughs) very clear about what I will and will not tolerate. Um, So there was a time where the church just didn't, it didn't resonate with my parents anymore. And there was another church about 20 miles away that we went to, which was non-denominational Christian. And my, my family definitely got a lot of slack for going to that church. Um, It was a lot more, there was a lot more culture there. Um, So I loved it. It was really fun for me. I got to experience different ways of speaking and different forms of music, which is what dropped me into growing up with R&B music. You know, it was not something that- Did it R&B at church? They didn't do R&B at church, but the kids who were going to church with me, Mm. they were listening to R&B and they were listening to rap music. And I would watch BET when my parents weren't home and not even because- they told me I couldn't. Well, I mean, BET was very aggressive, you know, like yeah. ass shaking, titties bouncing kind of thing. And <laughs> and I loved it. I love the the griminess. And like, I would say out of, if I had to list off like my top 10 characteristics, I have this griminess that's, mm. that's a part of my sexual practice and my, how I dance and how I express myself. And so going to that church, I found definitely more connection to it, but I also without like a clear foundation and almost like a starving for culture, mm. you, you throw yourself into it a little too hard. And so I was hanging out with people I shouldn't have been hanging out with. And From church? Um, yeah, definitely like that, like all the kids that I met that, uh, led me down a lot of the destructive paths oh. that I was on. I met them all at church. Yeah. <laughs> Where was going to that church and meeting those type of people? Did that lift any of the guilt or shame around no. wanting to do that? No, not yeah. at all. Not, a, not even a little bit, but it gave me more access mm. <laughs> to do that. It was like, you know, kids are going to rebel. They're going to, they're going to do things that are out of integrity so they can learn about integrity and yeah, all sure. of that. So that process was, was cool because I got to go to church camp that definitely aligned more. It was a lot more freedom and kindness and little, little characteristics that I would notice that were missing from uh, the philosophy that I felt people that I grew up with were living. And so that prayer changed. And I, I actually remember being in high school and going to a different church camp and it was actually a Methodist church camp. So just like bouncing around from kind of denomination to denomination and every denomination thinks their denomination is the best. Like every religion thinks their religion is the best. And honestly, all I cared about was like how much fun I was going to have. And so, uh, prayers changed in that moment. I remember being at church camp at like 13, 14 years old and having a deep, really like a deep experience with God during a praise and worship experience. Mm. And I loved music but I was not, I didn't feel safe to express myself through dance or through singing. I didn't think I had a good voice. I didn't know how to dance, all that stuff. And then, you know, somewhere in high school, um, my God became validation and attention from other people. So it felt a lot more potent than the, my inability to connect to a God through church. So that was kind of the path that I took was I no longer was going to church with my parents anymore and they weren't forcing me and I just kind of stopped going. And when I had to go, it was like, oh, like I'm going to go and, you know, just say my prayers. And sometimes in the sermon, I would have you know message that would come through and I'd be like, damn, that really, that really hits me. But for the most part, it was very few and very in between. Mm. And then I went through a phase when my dad died of having so much anger at God and not feeling safe to be angry at God because the God that I was raised with was you know, the wrath of God and Mm. my wrath was not going to be a match for his wrath. And, um, it, 
took me into like a agnostic kind of season where it was like, I was just avoidant of God. It was like, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not even going to, if people ask me, just don't even ask me what I believe. Okay. Cause yeah, I believe there's a God and there's a higher power and all that good stuff, but you know, and then, um, I definitely went through a season of kind of atheist atheism right before we met. Um, because diet denied God completely. Well, I just like, couldn't connect. I couldn't mm. connect with it. It was like, it was like everyone talks about, you know, oh, like God and like Jesus. And I would be like, ah, uh, if I could feel it, like I'd be on board too, but everything, you know, frequency, I didn't mm. feel anything in my body with it. And so it wasn't until uh, I got into psychedelics that I really met God. And I would say my faith in what I believe and what I experience to be God is so deeply grounded in me. It's not like a belief that I'm carrying and nobody else told me what it was. And in fact, every time that somebody tells me what God is, it helps me understand God even more, Mm. which is that God is everything, everything. And it's also the things we don't want it to be. And how we relate to God and how we interpret God is our free will choice. Mm. We get to choose the version of God that we want to engage with and that we want to embody and that we want to resonate with. And so it's been a very different journey now because on my spiritual path, it's all about chasing expression, curiosity, playfulness, freedom, safety, grounding, and really just accepting the fact that if I'm engaging with God in a way that makes me feel unsafe, that I can choose a different way to interpret it. Mm. And I have that power as a sovereign being to choose how I engage with the world around me first and foremost, by choosing how I engage with myself. Mm, That's beautiful. Mm. Beautifully put. I'm going to dive more (laughs) deeply into the journey that got you to that point. I know it's a lot of, a lot of growth and challenges that come with that and discovery. Um, Yeah. I I find it fascinating that the church, you know, I have these conversations with my parents as well, because they're, you know, I grew up in the church, very similar story actually. And they're just so narrow-minded. Right. And it's like, they have to, if, if what I believe is true, then what you believe can't be true. And it mm-hmm. creates this like fear and the, the idea that God is everything. It even says that in the Bible and the teachings and all like every, pretty much every spiritual or religious teaching is teaching that yeah. at some level. But the real thing with the church is a teach separation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I've come down to like the seed of truth. That's different between me and my dad trying to connect with him in this uncovering of my own experience to God, my own knowing it's mm-hmm. no longer a belief. Like you said, mm-hmm. it is a knowing deep within my soul that nobody can take away. Yeah. And I've realized that it's because he thinks that he is separate from God and that's right. what they teach. And that's what is so incredibly powerful about the journey of finding God is you will have to find it through your separateness first. And I actually, there's a book that is heavy religious context Mm. that teaches about boundaries. And it was one of the foundational pieces that I read. And if you're not religious or you have a a relationship with religion in the past that was very detrimental to you, this can be a hard read because it actually references sovereignty and separateness in the context of boundaries and really understanding how you, again, interpret the relation that you have with yourself and your separateness so that when you choose fully how to be in your separateness, then you can choose how to engage with the world through that grounding. This book is called Boundaries by um, Henry Cloud. Mm. And for anybody who is really religious, or if you're still going to church, you're still practicing Christianity, you know, 
the be- that book is really beautiful because it takes these Bible verses and helps you understand that they are not talking about separating yourself from other people. They're talking about understanding and honoring the depth of your separateness so that you can understand and honor the depth of every fractal of God's separateness, which is everyone that you come in contact mm-hmm. with, including nature, the elements, the earth, the stars. And then because you fully honor your separateness and what you need in your separateness, you come closer to being able to honor what is in the all. Mm. Yeah. It's really hard to, if you don't like kind of dive down and, and learn for yourself that cause, cause we are separate, right? We're sitting here and we, we are chose separateness, we chose separateness right? Cause the idea that God is everything. And so in the beginning, if there's just God mm-hmm. and it's, he's all everything, then there's yeah. no real experience. And so yeah. for in order for God to have an experience, he chose to create a journey of separation so that yeah. The aspect of God within me, the aspect of God within you can have an experience of other. Right. And it's a beautiful gift of separation. It's mm-hmm. what allows us to have the experience. And that's kind of yeah. the journey of life. And that kind of leads me into the first question I kind of ask everybody, which, what do you think the purpose is of all this? Right. Yeah. We kind of dove into it a little bit, but I think there's infinite number of experiences and expressions just on this planet in this timeline mm-hmm. to have. Yeah. Um, like what's what's the purpose? The words that come up for me is honor. The purpose is to honor every experience as truth while remaining in a state of choice for what is your relative truth and expressing that truth in every moment as it is ever changing and evolving because truth is not one thing and it is not something that you can say And then it changes and then your truth changes. No, like your truth is your truth in that moment. And that is the only truth that you can possibly know. And people want to have a different truth. Like I wanted to have a better relationship with God, but the truth of what I felt was anger. So if I deny my truth in that moment, I deny the part of God that I'm experiencing in that, which is what it feels like to be God's anger, the all's anger, sadness, grief. And I deny that truth because I want the truth to be, well, it's all love and light. I'm not actually in a state of truth. I'm in a state of projecting the truth that I wish that I was experiencing because I feel that I would be more accepted for that truth by either the God or the people around me. Mm. And it's very much like when I think about why, why, why do we need to experience the separateness? You know, if you think about um, like sickness in the body, somebody who's just riddled with sickness to the point where it's, it's not just one thing, it's so many things, you know, the whole body's breaking down. Imagine knowing, you know, what we believe, which is everything is medicine. It's a message, it's communication. And every muscle in the body is communicating something different. So imagine if you were able to take what the muscle in your body is communicating and put all of those communications that are different in different little boxes around you and say, okay, I'm going to open this box to see what this communication is. I'm going to open this box next. Once I understand that, oh, these two boxes tie together. Well, that's what humans are. Mm. humans are compartmentalized pieces of God that you get to rub up against so that you can experience what you interpret it to be while honoring another person's interpretation and then not letting another person's interpretation sway what your truth is in that moment and coming to a full embodiment of that truth in the moment, even when you don't like it. And as you do that, you will connect to the other compartmentalized pieces of God and find 
what your next truth is and your next truth. And then you'll do the work to honor that. Mm-hmm. And then you'll find the next thing. And the onion is infinite, right? The onion is infinite. <laughs> well, so, I mean, this is obviously it's, it's self-awareness. That's what it comes down to. And I actually had the thought just the other day when I was walking, it was like this deep insight. It's like, cause I asked the question on this podcast all the time, like, what is God? Mm-hmm. And I just ponder it and contemplate it when I'm walking, obviously. Um, but I came to this realization, like God is self-awareness. Like mm-hmm. the, the aspect of us that is consciousness, that is aware is God kind of experiencing this thing that it's created, this creation. But what about people that don't have that self-awareness, right? Like, yeah. it's like once you open Pandora's box, you can't put, put it back in, right? Because yeah. you like start uncovering deeper and deeper layers and you might get stuck at some levels, but then you eventually start working deeper and deeper. But what about the people that don't have the self-awareness or just going through their stories, right? Yeah. Like 90% of the population. Yeah. So God is not just self-awareness. It's also everything that you are not aware of as well. Mm. And self-awareness is uh, how you integrate the separateness into the all and the all into the separateness at both ends of the spectrum. It's duality. It's the dark and the light. It's and everything that's in between. And the, I think using metaphors that are like really easy for people to grasp onto in this very masculine, dense reality that we're in is like the way that I see, you know, the yin and the yang, which is God, the all, you know, the unconscious being the feminine (laughs) and the conscious light being the masculine is the muscles in the body represent the masculine and the fascial tissue that connects it in between the nervous system. Everything that communicates from your brain to those muscles is the feminine. And that's why no matter how much studies we've done about fascial tissue, like nobody really knows what it is or where it begins, what it does, like Mm. what all it does, because it's so vast. It's interconnected to everything. It's like the dark matter in the universe. Yeah. It runs through every muscle. It runs in different ways. Um, again, like there's no way, like, where does it start? Where does it stop? It doesn't, it's just, it's fluid and it's throughout. Um, so really for me, it comes down to exploration. And when I'm exploring something like fascia, let's say that I'm like in my body, I'm like, Oh, there's like definitely fascial tissue right here. That's like really stuck together. It's not, it's not getting proper blood flow, proper oxygen. And there's something that's not being communicated to my muscle. That's why I can't move my pinky toe. Like why, if my pinky toe has muscles in it and it's supposed to work, that's how I was born. Yet every time that I think move your pinky toe, it doesn't move. And instead I get a cramp in my calf, the communication that's moving to that part of my body there's something there that is not in the light that there is not self-awareness of If there was awareness, there would be more fluid communication. And so when I have that experience, I'm not only looking for what is stunting the muscle from, you know, being able to communicate, but what is the communication vehicle that's moving all the way down to that muscle? And what are all the different avenues of communication that are not in my awareness And that's why I hire a professional to find, help me find my blind spots. It's Mm. like, there's so many blind spots. 90% of what is going on is a blind. And that's like a big issue with our our Western medical system is like, they don't take into account the spiritual or the emotional and effect on the physical, right? They prescribe medications if you have something wrong and it doesn't actually look at the issue. Talk a little bit about how the emotional body shows up in the physical and how we can use the physical body, like you're saying, as I mean, that's where it really all starts. And we have to feel good in our bodies to even start accessing these higher mm-hmm. levels of awareness and consciousness, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would say, you know, if you're looking at your body and everything that you're doing externally, it will show up, but everything that's happening internally and energetically will also show up and they will meet. And typically what they will do in the body is they will, they will smash into each other. 
and they will show you where the contradictions lie. Mm. So for me, um, I was adopted and I have through ceremony figured out just how traumatic birth is in general, which, you know, you and Sarah could talk just went through that, yeah. all about Lots that. Lots of process. Lots of process. Still processing. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. And not only that, but then moving from being in one universe, right? Like we don't really have that memory of mm. what it was like to live in another world, which being in the mother's womb, coming from the, an idea and the genes that come together, the scientific chemistry of what it takes to make a baby. And then now matter starts to form everything in life is like that. Everything starts as energy and the more and more dense that it becomes, the more it turns into matter, the Mm. energy. So for me, uh, I can tell by, you know, when you look at somebody's body language and again, everything is just an interpretation. Like you don't, you cannot say what's actually happening for another person, but we're all very intuitive. So if I look at another person's body and I see their body language and their, their chest is really sunken in and they're, you know, look like they're trying to return to the fetal position. It's safe to say that person probably doesn't feel in their full expression in a room. Uh, if you see somebody back in the corner of a room, their feet are tucked up onto a chair, you know, they're taking up as little space as possible. It's pretty common to see wow, that person doesn't feel safe in their body. They don't feel safe in their full expression. Mm. And a way that you can look at that is, you know, move your body into a position. This is why ecstatic dance is so dope. Move your body into a position that you're not used to doing and see what comes up for you. All the thoughts and the ideas and the fears that flood in, like that's the energy. And when you have all of that, whether you're aware of it or not, it is getting more and more dense as you become you know, as you become more aware of it, it doesn't have to be that way, but it will show up in your physical features and everything in nature for the most part, I mean, is patterns, right? So frequency patterns, if you look at, um, Fibonacci spirals that are happening in nature, sacred geometry, sacred right? geometry, mm. it's all a rhythm. It's a pattern. And when it is healthy, when it is in flow, when it's fluid, it is symmetrical. That's why when you look at another person who doesn't have a very symmetrical face. You're not being an asshole by being like, Oh, that person's, that person's not attractive. There's a part of you inside of you that can read that frequency and say, there's something in the pattern. That's not fluid. There's Mm -hmm. a disturbance in the pattern. There's a disruption in the pattern. And I actually, as I started diving into plant medicine, this is one of the gifts that I was given is to be able to see patterns and see distortions in patterns. So that's been a huge shift for me in the understanding of the all and talking about like, what is God? You know, people who are really into science and they're scientists, they're interpreting God too. Mm. They're just interpreting it in a different way. hundred percent. That's all we're trying to do is uncover and discover in all these different ways, Mm -hmm. right? Science, Mm -hmm. mystical past, religion. We're all trying to discover what this reality is, which is God. And it's so funny because in our community, a lot of people have done 5-MeO-DMT, which is the God compound, right? You have the closest thing that you can experience, everyone that has ever done it has given this feedback. So I'm not speaking, I'll just speak on my behalf. It's the closest I've ever gotten to God. And what ends up happening in that space is you come to this understanding almost that like every fucking little thing matters so much. Mm. And also absolutely nothing matters (laughs) at fucking all. And that was the hard part for me to process. Yes. So it's not that one or the other is truth. It is that both are truth. That's what's really hard. Yeah, that's the all and the nothing, right? Yes, the void yes. and the light. Mm-hmm. 
And you and your separateness is here to make the free will choice about where you would like to be on that spectrum because absolutely nothing matters and every little thing matters. Those are just two of the truths in all of the infinite truths Mm. that exist in between those two spaces. And your dance is to find somewhere on that line that feels fucking groovy Mm. and know that tomorrow it might feel a little different and you're allowed to move up and down the spectrum as you choose. And if you do not come to a state of free will choice, you will dance on that line based on what everyone else has told you is right. And you'll find a bunch of people on the same place in the line that are not resonating, which creates an imbalance because we're all here to play out our very specific place on the line, which is not chosen for us, but chosen by us. Mm. That's what I believe God to be. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I mean, blowing my mind. Um, Let's talk about the the idea of of free will, right? Because it's such a paradox because- to me, and I've pondered this so much, it's like the, like when you look at synchronicities and the way just magical things happen and being able to like manifest something by envisioning it and thinking it, like, is it, is there free will? Like, is, it did, did that thing manifest because I thought of it or did I think of it because I was called to it anyway? Like it was the chicken or the egg, right? Yeah. It, it did, Both are truth. Yeah. <laughs> All of it, every single bit of it. So if you choose to believe that manifestation is not real, um, It's not even that, like, none of that even matters. It's that you're choosing to engage with energy in a way that you do not believe you have a choice to create what you want. Mm. And therefore, the reality that you will create is that you do not have choice to create what you want. And so you will give away your power to other people to create it for you. Mm. That's karma. Karma is you playing out unconscious patterns so that you can start to really understand what is happening in your rhythms and in your patterns frequency-wise and recognize that you were put somewhere on the spectrum by your choice to not choose, which is still a free will choice. And there you are on a part of the spectrum that you don't resonate with telling other people that that's your truth when it's not your truth. And when you come to that space of recognizing, Oh, if every single thing is truth, like I give this, I give this like a little metaphor all the time. Like imagine yourself being at the park, you know, you just walked up to the park and the very first thing that you see is this 80, 90 year old couple that looks like they're in really good health and they're cuddling under a tree, sharing an apple. And you're just like, Oh fuck. I feel so sentimental right now. Like that is so beautiful. Like that's what life is about. Like that, right. You could take yourself and turn 180 degrees and look at a homeless person shooting up on the other side of the street, same exact place, same exact timing. The difference is perspective Mm. and where you choose to look. Mm. And it doesn't change the fact that if you choose to look somewhere else, that other truth is not right behind you. And again, it doesn't mean to look away. Like what I feel is so important for our journey here. Again, it comes down to honoring that when you look across the street and you see something ugly and you don't want that to be your truth, It doesn't have to be your truth, but it is someone's. Mm. And can you honor that that is someone's truth and how they're choosing to engage with God, whether that's because they're consciously choosing or they've chosen not to consciously choose either way, choice, choice Mm. and honor. And then therefore you get to honor the perspective that you seem to want to have. And for me, this idea, how I came to this philosophy so there was no book that really, I mean, there's, there's a lot of information out there that's really saying this. I, I feel like when yeah. I'm listening to Ram Dass or if I'm listening to Alan Watts, it's like same thing, different language. 
That's why language is so dope because language is sound and sound is frequency and frequency is patterns. And so when you say a word, you're emitting a pattern and it's engaging with the rest of nature. And in the beginning was the word. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I love like going back to that, understanding yeah. all this now. It's like, whoa, mm-hmm. Bible is speaking something mm-hmm. there. So when, when March, 2020 happened and the, sh- the great shutdown happened, right? Mm. I never really watched the news. I, never I, like, I like the way you called that the great shutdown. <laughs> great shutdown. I'm start using that one. Yeah. Um, what a reflection for everyone mm. and what it really did and what anything that brings out extensive levels of survival and resurfaces trauma does is it's just a mirror for showing you where you are not in truth, where you are not grounded and where you're giving away your power. And so for me, one of the things that happened was I had started <laughs> literally right before 2020, a traveling in-person retreat business. Yay. (laughs) My business is going to fail and I am never going to be able to make this dream come to life was what I thought. Mm. And, um, the way that it showed up in the very first couple of weeks was that as a influencer or someone striving to be of influence through social media platforms to really bring my message of truth and impact others. That's what influence means to me. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that grounding. I didn't know that. I just knew that I had a message and it was important. And sometimes when I would talk, people would love it. And all of these, you know, experiences that I'd had. And I was seeing all these influencers really utilizing this shutdown to create content. And everyone was doing Instagram lives, you know, fitness trainers were taking their business that they could no longer do in person. And now they were creating free classes online and free courses and da da da. And I was fucking in a frenzy. I was like, I got to be one of these people. I got to create, I got to create. And I got so just in, in my lost in the sauce of what I felt like I needed to do with this, like seize the opportunity. And I kept thinking that like, this is an opportunity and I don't want to be a victim. So I'm going to take the opportunity. But what ended up happening is I created a couple of pieces of content that felt disgusting to me. It felt like the energy and the undercurrent of, I am not grounded. I do not feel faith that the universe is conspiring with me in my free will choice to create a reality for me to experience the deepest levels of pain and pleasure so that I could understand where I'm at on the spectrum, how far away I am from my truth, and then come back home to my truth every day. I didn't have that language. I did not have that grounding. What were those pieces of content? I can't even remember. I just created some like, I I was doing like Instagram lives of like, was it just like trying too hard? Yeah, I was like, what do, you, what do you guys want from me? Like, what uh, do you, like, you know, just that. And like, okay, like today I'm going to talk about what I'm experiencing. And like, you might be experiencing this too. And I hope you're experiencing it. Cause I need you to like this content so that mm. I can grow, you know, like whatever the that energy was like that yeah, scarcity energy. Yeah. And Amanda mm. Bucci ta- is writing a book right now, actually, that's going to be about like shadow work against social media and like in the that's process, a huge issue it's, right now. it's going to be such a dope piece. Amazing. Like it's going to be incredible. So for me, being having the level of awareness I have because of the work that I had done prior, just being able to grow my ability to have self-awareness without being in self-judgment. And then what I did is I just, I was like, Nope, I just deleted Instagram off my phone. And for two weeks, I didn't post anything. I didn't get on the news. I didn't look at anybody's social media. And in that time, I just got so clear about what was really in my heart. And this was how I started my path of intentionality to make sure that everything that I did was as close to my relative truth as it could be. And anything that wasn't was just another teacher along the road to help me find my way back to my truth. So we see this path as this like, you know, moving forward and you have to always move forward. And what a path looks like to me is I'm, as I'm walking and I realize I'm walking a little bit too fast or I, you know, I stumped my toe on something. It's like, Hey, probably not being very present. I don't even feel my breath as it moves through my body into the footsteps. And like, what about that tree I just passed that was probably the dopest tree ever. And then I'm like second guessing everything. So I came to this place where 
I decided to start, you know, an online community, which has built my business to over six figures in less than a year. Mm. I made more money in 2020. I found deeper happiness and safety in the world in 2020. I built the deepest relationships of my life, both separately and in person so through social media, not in person and in person. And I actually did some traveling, even though I was very much told by everyone around me, like, oh, you shouldn't do that. You're, you know, like I was even called dangerous at one point because mm-hmm. I other a, people projecting their stories. Yeah. Yeah. You. Like this is dangerous. And like, you know, what about you? You might not be sick and your friends might not, but what about their grandparents? And, um, you know, that whole thing, which it's like, you, you get into that. And it's like, again, everything is truth. Like, yes, we, we you know, if, if you're being irresponsible and you're not in integrity and somebody gets sick, you'll, you'll have to deal with the consequences of that. And the consequences are not that God's going to come down and smite you. The consequences are that you're going to feel judgment towards yourself and shame and guilt and regret. And you're going to spend your life trying to dismantle the way in which you identify with who you thought you were because of one decision that you made. Mm. And I just didn't want to be in all of that. So 2020 was one of the best years of my life. Uh, it was really freeing. And when I look perception, there are other people who had the absolute worst year of their life. And people were out, you know, also shaming about talking about how beautiful life was in that moment. I didn't come here to talk about what you felt like was truth, even though you're not even in free will. And I can tell that the decisions that you're making and the projections that you're giving to other people means you do not honor me. Your word means absolutely nothing to me. I'm not available to have conversations and take on, you know, conversations with people who can't even honor my separate decisions or their own separate decisions. And they're Mm. not even choosing what they're doing. They're not choosing. And that's what's going on in the world right now. It's like people, I don't care if you get vaccinated or not. If you're, if you're an adult, you're a consenting adult, I honor your decision. And I have friends who are getting vaccinated. And when they tell me that I'm not like, Oh, I gotta, let me tell you all the information I know. Like I truly believe and have faith that you are on this path and you're going to learn about your separateness in a way that brings you back to being connected to the all. Mm. And having that faith and that being a really clear prayer that I have and intention that I have allows me to walk the path of honoring other people's choices, whether they're choosing or not choosing. And if and when there's a fluid moment where that person is receptive and they feel safe enough to ask me how I feel, I will share from a grounded place with no judgment and no attachment to how they receive it. And if I can feel that I'm attached, I will recognize that it would not be an integrity for me to share. And that will be what I share instead. So if someone says, well, I believe you, Adrian, like, tell me what you think. Like, I feel like, you know, the truth in that moment, one, I can recognize, oh, this person is definitely giving their power away to me. And they're thinking that my truth somehow is more informed and educated than their truth, whether or not that that may be the case. Maybe I, I have done more research or maybe I haven't. The fact of the matter is I can feel that that person is not grounded in what they believe and they're searching for me to tell them. So the way that I would show up in truth is not to tell them what my truth is. This is my truth. And this is what always will be my truth, but is to recognize in this moment, my relative truth is that I feel that if I share with you, that it could potentially unground you and bring you to a place that you don't feel safe experiencing. So instead, the best thing that I know how to do is to ask you questions. What do you feel? And to really extend an honor to you, like, what is it that you're experiencing? And we can compare notes, like give them their power back. And that's what I came here to do is to radically express my truth in every moment that I am capable of finding it and to spend all the other moments coming back to my truth and then sharing when it is consensual. Mm. How many of us share 
from a place of non-consent. <laughs> and this, I mean, you're just talking all about boundaries right now. And that's yeah. kind of, that's the big work that you're doing in this mm-hmm. moment is teaching around boundaries. And it's really beautiful. I think it really has a potential to, I mean, it's really what everybody needs to get to in order to interact with reality in a healthy way is come back to their sovereignty, which is intertwined yeah. intimately with boundaries. And what you said there, I think is really beautiful um, about allowing the other person and guiding them into their own curiosity about Mm -hmm. their own story. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, you know, I've learned with my own um, journey with my parents. Like I always wanted to tell them what I'm learning, what I, what I believe, what I've found, like the psychedelics and this, that's like trying to get my friends and people that I love on the journey with me because I love them so much. And that doesn't work because what happens is people Mm -hmm. get really defensive Mm -hmm. and they might even start looking at you like you're crazy, but to sit there and ask them questions in a, in a real like place, grounded place, right? Yeah. Like you can't ask them questions if you're not, if you're not grounded in your energy and, and purely holding presence for them right. and allowing them to get curious, then they'd start turning their, their light of awareness onto themselves. Yeah. And that's where the real magic happens. It's so crazy. Cause I, I see energy in images and pictures and like films. So one of the images that comes to me when I think about this is imagine that you're standing at a swimming pool, fully clothed. And you're just walking by the swimming pool and all of a sudden somebody screams cannonball and they start sprinting. You know, the first thing you're going to do is get away from the pool as fast as you possibly can, because you don't want to get wet or like, you don't even know where they're coming from. It's so abrasive. It's like, okay, like somebody's about to cannonball. Let me get out of the way. That's what it feels like when somebody has this truth that they are there to tell you, they don't even take the time to like slowly approach you. Like imagine if somebody is running, you know, from the other side of the pool towards you. And Mm. then they just jump and then the water splashes everywhere. It is so abrasive and nothing in your body language is going to be like, Oh, like this person is super safe for me to receive because they just splashed me without even really considering their environment or saying like, Hey, is everybody okay? If I do this cannonball, if you're not okay with it, like, could I ask that you move away? And if you say like, actually, no, like I like sitting right here on the pool, then maybe would it be okay if you would do a cannonball later? Like, do you need to do the cannonball right now? Mm. And you can feel attachment through that space of like, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Whereas if you see somebody at the other side of the pool, they've made eye contact with you a couple of times and you know, maybe you're not making eye contact with them and they just stay on the other end of the pool. Or maybe you do, you nod your head and it's this like friendly gesture. And then they slowly get into the pool and they slowly swim over very grounded and they come up to the edge of the pool and you can feel that they're also in a state of curiosity. They don't really have anything they need to tell you. They just could feel that you were open and they're also open. And then maybe they say, hi, you know, now you're going to, your body language is different. You're going to sit down on the end of the pool, maybe engage in conversation so long as it feels resonant and serving to you. And then when you no longer feel that that conversation is in alignment with your day, your energy, the way you feel, like maybe you get hungry. You don't leave that conversation because you're a dick. You leave the conversation because your body's like, hey, it's time to eat, you know? And so that's how I feel about sharing your truth with other people and being a vessel of God and and an information of this is how I experience God. And I want to share it with people who are open to listening so long as you know, they don't take my word for the word and we're able to not feel attached to how the other person receives our truth other than I'm attached to when I share with you, you being in a state of honoring that no matter what I said, you don't need to change my mind. And if you need to change my mind, you can fucking take your cannonball somewhere else. Hmm. 
Let's talk practicality here because there may be some listeners who might be in a intimate relationship where they've kind of gone down this cycle. Maybe mm-hmm. they aren't, they don't feel safe to speak their truth. And then there's that whole idea that I'd love to get your thoughts on too is, you know, it's easy for someone to think, okay, if I speak my truth, what about the other person and how they react and whether they project something back on me? And, and, and I mean, that's the ungroundedness, but maybe talk a little bit about some practical tips for people that might be in it mm-hmm. and how to kind of speak your truth without the fear of the projections coming back on you yeah. and what that might cause. The number one thing is be very grounded about what you speak about. And if you're not grounded, be honest with people about how ungrounded you are so that they can receive you in a better way. And all of this is just coming down to the slow consideration of how your energy affects other people. You're not responsible for their interpretation of you, but you are responsible for how you go at someone. So if I'm in a relationship with someone, which I have been, that does not believe in energy or doesn't believe in, you know, there being more than one truth, you can recognize that if you were to share with them and their response would be, would spin you, it would, you need them to understand you. You are not grounded and you are putting yourself in a position to be hijacked, which means you're probably not ready to share with that person. And that doesn't mean like, this is the other thing about relationships. If you need your partner to be the one who is okay with everything you do and validate you and believe you, and you don't have anybody else fucking imagine the weight you're putting on them. Like Mm. I need you to be okay with me not being okay with myself and seeking validation to feel like I'm okay with myself, which I'll never will be because I keep seeking it from you. That's where you need a boundary. And the boundary is not with that person. It is with yourself. Mm. So when I come across information that I'm just super stoked about, there are certain people that I can externally process with that I know are pretty grounded in who they are that can receive what I have to say. And if at any point in the conversation, they start to feel ungrounded, they will speak up and say, well, this conversation, like I'm feeling a certain type of way. Like you and Sarah are both like this. This is why you guys are really safe for me to be around in any kind of setting, because anything new that I'm learning, I can say like, Joe, let me tell you about something that I'm learning. And if you were to be like, oh, that completely contradicts what I feel. I would be like, oh, really? How? And I would be super open to hearing. And then if I feel like, oh, wow, I'm starting to feel really overwhelmed by what you're sharing back. And I'm starting to feel like you think I'm wrong. Oh, like if you, anytime you think that someone else thinks you're wrong, that's not a them thing. That's a you thing. Mm -hmm. Whether or not they actually think you're wrong is irrelevant. Yep. You feeling like another person thinks you're wrong and you allowing that to affect you negatively means that there's a part of you that is afraid you're wrong. And the best piece of advice that I could give anybody anywhere is you are not wrong. Your truth, your relative truth at that moment, whether it's so far away from where you want it to be, doesn't change the fact that it is your experience, especially emotionally. So if you're triggered, you're not wrong for being triggered. You're never wrong where you can really step back is taking space for yourself and saying, I feel that you feel I'm wrong. You don't have to say this to someone, but if you're like, Oh fuck, I feel like this person's judging me. I feel like this is happening. It's a great time to pull back into your safety zone. Maybe go to the bathroom, take a couple deep breaths, just sit with the fact that you, if you felt super like the way my relationship with God, this has happened multiple times over the last year because of so many of my friends doing these you know, big psychedelic journeys, people will come and they will tell me like, I will, you know, my ceremony, I just realized nothing, nothing really even fucking matters. None of this is even real. This is a holographic projection of 
you know, energy. And it's like, okay, cool. Like when somebody tells me that I'm like, yeah, that's definitely a, a part of God that you're choosing to engage with. And, you know, I trust that that interpretation is important for you to find the language you're looking for. For me, it doesn't unground me. Like I know what God is. I've experienced it through my body in resonance so many times that I am not going to be tipped over by somebody else coming and telling me what their version of God is. Mm. I'm just like, cool. Like how fucking spectacular is it that I can be so rooted and grounded in what I believe. And here is another person with a completely different interpretation. And just because it's different, I'm not wrong and they're not wrong. And let's honor each other. Mm. I mean, imagine if we, if our education system was built like that, or like our government system was built like that, it would be, uh, life-changing. I know it. Yeah. That's kind of one of the, one of the final questions I wanted to kind of circle back to was where we're at collectively as a world. And, you know, I think it's easy for people to look out into the world, especially with the the narrative that the media portrays and everything with so much fear and shame and guilt and the systems we've created. And it's, it it can be very a daunting task. Um, where do you think we're at and how do you think we can shift the story that we're living? It's such a hard question because, and I'll relate it back to boundary work and the boundary work from the boundaries book with Henry cloud in there. He states 10 laws of boundaries, which is really the 10 laws of sovereignty and the 10 laws of separateness. And one of them is the law of responsibility, never taking responsibility for something that another person can take responsibility for themselves. Luca, your baby boy is a great example. He literally can't do shit for himself. He cannot do anything for himself. Literally nothing. So if you sat there and you were like, be fucking sovereign, Luca, feed yourself. I almost got to that point last night. <laughs> totally. <but no. laughs> you know, it's, it's hard. Um, you know, the elderly, infants, certain demographics of people, and cultures that are completely and totally helpless, that have been stripped away their rights physically, they don't have the opportunity to practice sovereignty and we absolutely should fight for them. However, if your fight takes you completely outside of your own inner work and ungrounds you to the point where you are just all over the place projecting on other people and doing it with really low frequency, you are not fucking helping the world and get the fuck out of the way. Mm. Go back into your inner work and be able to admit and acknowledge and be in truth that you do not have space to be in service. True service is about understanding the space that you serve from. We learned that together in our fit for service mastermind. Mm. And that, that is where I come home to. I want to do so much more. I really want to, and I am open for the universe to conspire with me, to provide me opportunities, to learn more about people who do not have as much privilege as I have and to have opportunities come into alignment where I am able to truly serve in that space. And I can't do it all on my own. And you and I can't do it all, even if we band together, but If I come to you grounded and I say, this is how I serve. And you say, wow, that's in alignment with me. This is also how I serve. We can do a lot more together. And if at any point I become ungrounded and you start seeing me doing things that are for validation or because I really need people on social media to believe that I'm the influencer that's really doing all the work to change the world. And like I'm living because of that judgment and I don't want people to see me in a different kind of light, you know, as my conscious brother, I would hope that you would say, Hey, this feels really ungrounded. How can I support you in getting back to yourself and feeling really good about the way that you serve that accountability? That's we're so far away from that. (laughs) We're really far away from that. Um, but we're closer than ever. I think we're closer than a lot of people think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's some people that are really, really doing that. 
And those are the, those are the people that, you know, can receive that outside judgment from the world and it doesn't sway them. They don't tip over and say, okay, you're right. I'm going to change the way that I'm living. I'm going to change my truth completely because I need you to feel okay about how I'm serving. And I don't need you to feel okay about how I'm serving. I don't need you to understand my God. I don't need you to accept my reality and my truth. Just need you to honor it and be open because if you're not open, you're not in a state of receptivity. You are the disturbance in the pattern and in the rhythm, and you are what is creating the dysfunction and the the lack of symmetry that is going to bring us all back to the one once we have mastered our separateness. It truly is an inner journey. And I want to ask a few more questions, but I think that was like so powerful, so powerful. I literally started vibrating when you started talking about it resonates so hard to really show up to be of service is to be to be of service to yourself in order to show up for the world. And yeah. I think there's a lot of people waking up to that. And I think it's a really beautiful, beautiful um, journey. And I'm yeah. really grateful to have you on that journey with me. Me too. And just to add, like, it is hard because if you, we're talking about energy here. So if you take a phrase that says to be of service is to serve yourself, you know, that it's very limiting. That's a very limiting phrase. And that's why it's, it's triggering too, because as somebody who is sitting there seeing how much pain is in the world, it's like, wow, how selfish. Mm. And this is why it's a game of discernment and why inner work is so incredibly important because until you get to a space of making free will decisions, you are not in a state of discernment. You're in a state of judgment, which means you're judging how I am choosing to discern what energy I engage with and what it means for me to be of service. And so what it means is to be of service for the world, to first be of service for yourself is to get yourself to a place where you are making free will decisions so that you are able to discern what is for you and what is not for you so that you don't get in the way of something that is this beautiful rhythm that's flowing. You don't become the disturbance of the pattern. And instead you flow with the pattern that is, and you honor that path. And then when you're able to do more within the collective, you really are in flow with it. And we can feel the difference between that. I know so many people who overextend themselves so much to be in a state of service and they're grouchy in the way they treat their children or you know, the way that their depression hits that they don't talk about. These are all disturbances in the pattern. You as yourself, you are flow. You are the flow state. And what we're here doing is the work to figure out where the disturbances in our flow state What is it that continues to surface through that pattern of the disturbance and then not attacking that, but really being in a state of curiosity so that you can bring that into the light from the shadow where you're not able to see it and not only have self-awareness that it's there, but self-acknowledgement and then self-acceptance so that you can truly transmute that, alchemize that, and then extend the pattern. Wow. Thank you so much for coming on and and sharing your wisdom. Uh, So grateful. I mean, just the work that you're doing and the way you're articulating these concepts and sharing it with the world. It's just so beautiful. And I know you're about to, you know, just going to continue to do big work in the world. And I'm I'm excited to see you blossom in that way. Mm, Thank you, Um, Joe. Where can people find you if they want to get in contact with you, follow you, and Mm -hmm. maybe share a little bit about what you're working on now? Yeah. So Instagram is the easiest way to contact me. That's where most of my community engages with me through where I'm writing content, where I'm sharing about the retreats that I'm hosting. So I have a, a business called the Alpus project and it really helps for bringing community together, whether that's virtually or in person to experience higher consciousness experiences through the collective experience. But 
really targeting your separate experience so that you can understand who you are and, and where you're grounded in, how you choose to go out and engage with the world. So that's everything from retreats on boundaries, conscious relationships. I'm doing uh, an Awaken Your Medicine Woman retreat with Vilana Marcus at the end of the month, which is sold out, but I am going to be doing a virtual experience. So that's something that I'd love for uh, it is for women, anyone who is looking to really deepen their feminine embodiment practices and, and really tap into the medicine that exists within each and every one of us, not the external plant medicines, but the internal medicine that is our, our truth. Um, and yeah, I'll just be posting about retreats there through my email list, but that's the easiest way to get in touch with me. Love it. And all that will be in the show notes for you guys to check out. And if you like this podcast, leave a review, rate it, share it with your friends, definitely reach out to Adrian here and, you know, reach out to me too. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this podcast. And I, you know, Adrian here has so much wisdom to share and I feel like we were just scratching the surface. So if you'd like to have her come back on and maybe have any questions for her specifically, um, we'll get it going. We'd love to hear from y'all. Thank you so much, Adrian. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Joe. All right. Huge, huge, deep, grand, expanded gratitude for Adrian. I seriously, I love her so much. Um, she's just spilling with wisdom and she's just so grounded and yeah, one of my best friends. Um, I'm really grateful that she came on the, the, the podcast and really amazing conversation we had and the wisdom that she shared. I hope you guys got a lot out of it too. Um, all of her information is in the show notes. If you are interested in learning more about how to work with her, how to learn from her, uh, go check out her Instagram and her website. All of that will be in the show notes. And um, yeah, if you like this podcast, please review it, rate it, subscribe to it, share it with your friends. It goes a long way in helping me grow my audience. And also, like I talked about in the intro, if you are interested in becoming a premium member, I would very much appreciate your support. It's $7 a month. The link is in the description. And you will also receive a ton of phenomenal content and maybe even win a chance to come on this show. Wouldn't that be cool? Maybe it could be you. Go check it out. All right. Till next time. Peace.